What is up, guys, and welcome to the Meeple Minded Podcast, the podcast where we talk all things tabletop gaming. My name is Jason. And I'm James. How are you doing this week, James? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's Christmas run up. Yeah. It's it's officially December, James. Yes, it is. This this is our first episode of December, and it is not the episode that we were planning on doing it for the was first week of December. No, it wasn't. No, no. It wasn't. no, 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 it wasn't. No, that episode will be coming, but it's now going to be delayed by a week because, well, with what we're going to talk about today, I wanted to get it out of the way because, yeah. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. You, just, you've yeah. seen the title. You know what we're going to be talking about. But before we get to that, before we get to the negative and um, total impartialness, <laughs> we're going to talk about the game that we played or that we reviewed this time last year, James. Now, I know that you don't know what this is because I didn't tell you because I only looked what 30 <laughs> yeah, seconds ago yes dear listeners that would be because Jason looked it up just before he had pushed the record button and hasn't yet shared it I have not so James the game that we played this time last year and we reviewed this time last year we had a guest on to talk about it as well which was uh, the Ant-Man from the MTVB podcast, which ironically, I'm actually going to be on recording a show with him after we've done this recording. Yep. So we're on a bit of a timescale as it is. But yes, we talked about Marvel United. Ooh. Now, because I don't own this game, I know we haven't played it I think more than one more time since. Yep. How do you feel about the game now? Uh, I still feel the same way as in the episode. I thought it was a good game. Yeah. Would you want to play it again like... For example, I've if got I got a, a coffee, would you play it? I would play it, but I haven't had the itch to play it. No, I haven't missed it. No. Which is strange, because again, I was the same as you. I really, really enjoyed that game. I liked the theme. I'm still love-hate with the, the chibi yeah. miniatures and stuff like that. But yeah, I haven't missed it. No, I haven't. But I don't know if that's just because there have just been other things. Spoilers for what's coming. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially. And, you know, there's always just been other things that have just been like, ooh. Yeah. And I think it's kind of, I mean, we're going to be doing a, a sum up of 2022 in a, in a few weeks anyway, but I think it's kind of a real reflection of the return to form mm. this year because there's been so many new games coming out yep. and all of them have been, well, not all of them, but I mean, even, there's been a lot of good ones. Yeah, I, I don't think it's necessarily a something to say about Marvel United in itself. I mean, there are plenty of games that we've raved about on here this year that I haven't gone back to a miss because there has literally been a sheer amount of games. Oh, yes. oh yeah. new, shiny, shiny. I mean, it probably doesn't help that I force you to play whatever games I want to get off the shelf of shame or the shelf of opportunity. Unity, Indeed, it? It but last year, even when we were doing that, there were, you know, you're looking at the shelf and going, we, we, we need to play that again. We need to play that again. I haven't experienced that so much this year. And I think, no. like you said, it's because it's returned to form. You know, there's been a lot of new releases and, you know, upcoming new releases as well. Of course. And obviously, we're, we're following the lockdowns. A load of my Kickstarters have started to appear. And of course, that's new game stuff yeah. as well. And so. it's just there's just been a constant stream of, oh, new and shiny. Definitely. Definitely. It's just sort of like you're, you're sort of consciously aware that the other ones are sitting on the shelf and you're like, mm, yeah, yeah, but new. No. Yeah, yeah, new, new, new and shiny. It's, it's a, well, it's a bit of a disease, really, is new and shiny. Yeah. But uh, it's a lovely disease. It's a disease that you want. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Anyway, back to the, back to the topic there, James. Marvel United, would you play it again? Yes. Are you still happy with it? Yes. Excellent. Me too. That's that. Pleasantries over, James. It's I guess it's kind of a topical discussion. Yep. I know we did a topical last week, but damn it, this came out afterwards and I want to talk about it. So shall we crack on with it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Damn it, that was supposed to be the noise of Satan. <laughs> oh, well, close enough. 
So, James, what are we talking about today? It is the happiest time of the year, James. And it's not bonus day. What are you talking about? Well, this is... <laughs> but yes, as I said, James, it is the happiest time of the year. And our good friends at Games Workshop are stepping up to the occasion. A few days ago, it emerged that Games Workshop, in the midst of this global cost of living crisis for their customers would not be increasing the prices to the consumer. That's great news, right? Does somebody want to phone up Games Workshop and see if they're feeling all right? I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, this is this is a revolutionary move mm. for Games Workshop. And what, pray tell, have they done instead? How do you know they are going to do something instead, James? <laughs> I guess the fact that we're, I want to talk about it. And is... that you're unhappy <laughs> and it's Games Workshop. Very true. So the next question is obviously, does that mean that Games Workshop have finally realised or are realising that uh, the markup on their product is enough? Because we all know the markup on those products is horrific. No, no, it doesn't. (sighs) In a time where Games Workshop have the ability to kind of weather the storm of the fact that they are, you know, I'll hold my hands up, they are facing increased costs with materials and such. They have enough profit built into their product that they could weather that storm. But what they are doing instead, James, is they have sent out an email to all independent stockists saying that they are going to be increasing the cost of buying in Games Workshop products by 6%, or just under 6%, but not adjusting the RRP to the consumer. Right. So me and you, as customers, we will not see a price increase on the retail, your recommended retail price. Yeah. But what they've essentially done is pass the ball to those independent stockists to go, you can, you know, you can still sell it at your, say, 20% off of RRP, but you're going to be paying 6% more to buy it in, which means you're losing. Yeah. Well, if you were selling profit, if you were selling it at 20% off RRP, you're now either taking that loss or you're not selling it at 20% RRP, you're selling it at 12% RRP. Yeah. Or for, or for 14, 14, 14 you know. 12, you know, whatever whatever it be. Yeah, exactly. It, it's a really snide move in, in my eyes. It's a really snide move because Games Workshop now are the guiltless party or because this information is not technically available to the general public. Yeah. This is a disgruntled shop that has openly published this email that has been sent out. Yeah. I don't know who. I've just happened to have seen it. I've read some of the stories online. And of course, it's got people a bit angry. Now, people are happy enough that we're not seeing that particular increase ourselves. But the thing is, we will. Because, like you said, in this current climate, the independent stockists can't afford to take that hit. Mm. So they're going to have to raise the price in line with the buying in cost. Yeah. And that... I mean, you've just summed up exactly why I wanted to talk about it, James, because further on from the episode that we recorded and and came out, I think it was either a couple of weeks ago or last week, where we mentioned that our friendly local gaming store had seemingly shut up shop with no sort of, there was no real announcement as to why or or whether it was gone forever. We have now had confirmation that they have indeed shut up shop. They are... They are no more, which is very, very sad. Yep. And it's not the only one in this area. We've had two in our local area that have gone in the last two months. Yep. And that's not limited to this area. All up and down the country, these small gaming stores, independent stockists, are shutting up shop because they just can't afford to run. And something like this, now 6% doesn't sound a lot, but that's devastating to some uh, such a small business. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to give exact figures because it's not really my place, but I know roughly what these stores were buying in the products for. 
percentage wise of of the re- of the retail and then obviously what they were selling it for with that that discount in order to make the sale because if you're going to sell it at retail most people are just going to go straight to the source where games workshop offer exclusives oh. for for ordering from them and money off you know they they give out gift vouchers which can only be redeemed on the games workshop store and and things like that so obviously the independent stockist to tackle that that's where they do their discounts yep now the Profit margin wasn't great. When you're selling at 20% off of RRP, there's very, very little in a percentage markup for an independent stockist. To take a 6% hit on that is harsh. It's it's bad. Yeah. Almost next to no profit in it at all. You know, and, and this is across the range by all all accounts. Anything plastic or paint. Yeah. You know, and, and the yeah, the, the markup on paint is pence. Like literal pence is what they were getting for those. So yeah, for me, this is devastating. And I have I mean, I had issues with Games Workshop before. I now have very severe issues yep. with Games Workshop because this is a blatant slap in the face to the hobby uh, as a whole. How do, how do you feel about it? Well, yeah, because I mean, most of us, with with them turning their stores more into stores rather than hobby centres, mm-hmm. most of those independent stores were also where we played. Yeah. You know, they took on that role as hobby centres effectively because for whatever business decision, Games Workshop decided to turn their stores into pretty much hardcore retail outlets. Yeah. You know, game elsewhere. We just want you in here spending your money. Yeah, we want you in here for an introductory game, buy the products here and then play at home or, or find yourself another location. Yeah, which is what most of those did. And then they started selling the products to go with it. Yeah. You know, and they, in all honesty, while the Games Workshop... Uh, employees are good at what what they do which is hooking people into the hobby with their intro games and their painting tutorials and that kind of stuff to get you started it's really the independent stockists with their gaming spaces that actually feed the hobby once you've had that intro game and you actually got some miniatures you're right now i've got an army and i want to play properly yeah that are hosting those places and yeah to then sort of they're the ones that are really driving the hobby so yeah i I would class that as a slap in the face yeah yeah exactly and I mean, I'm actually going to read out the email that uh, that that was actually sent out word for word because trust me, it's not very long. And and to be honest, it feels kind of really, really low and sort of like there's no feeling gone into this whatsoever. They know what they're doing. They don't care. So literally, word for word, it is, dear customer. We are writing to you in order to give notice of an approximately 5.8% increase in Games Workshop trade prices on select products. Brackets, including all plastic box sets and paints. Close bracket. This will take effect on the 19th of December. Please note that this increase will not have any impact on the RRPs of our products. Kind regards, Games Workshop's trade team. Now, like I said, to me, that seems really heartless. Like, you Well, there's th- no justification there. No, no, no. There's no justification, no explanation as to, as to why they might be doing this. And and the, the the key thing for me is there's no offer of support there. You yeah. know, if you have any queries, please contact us. If you you know all of that kind of jazz that you would expect to see on a we care about our you know our retail partners. Yeah, partners, James. Yeah, I I don't feel like that's a partnership at all. No, you know that that's that's a cold, heartless boss sending an email to a number you know he doesn't care he doesn't know who that person is yeah now i i'm trying so very very hard to try and give games workshop a little bit of my benefit of the doubt here but that my first question is is this a wise move on their part because 55 percent 
of their sales actually come from independent stockists. Yeah. So, I mean, surely, you, I mean, how, how does that affect them? It's like, well, if you've just annoyed 55% of your customers, that would be a lot of money that they're going to lose, right? Yeah. I'm, and it, I think it's, you know, as much as as a consumer, their price is great on me sometimes. You know, I'm a glutton for punishment, as, mm. uh, as, as let's be honest, from talking to the small uh, Warhammer collection that we have mm-hmm. uh, of people is like we all are it's like yeah we'll, we'll moan about it to the end of the earth but we'll still buy the products yeah pissing off a retailer is a little bit different because at the end of the day if you drive them out of business well it doesn't matter how they feel about it they're not buying from you anymore yeah this is where i start to ask the questions like is this because games Workshop just doesn't care anymore do games shop not care that those stores are either going to drive themselves out of business trying to be competitive or don't they care that basically they'll stop selling their products yeah because i mean when you told me about this i thought about this and it's just sort of like well it's not so much if there's a uh, a Warhammer or Games Workshop store in the area. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's an alternative there, and yes, there's the internet. But if there isn't, and there are large parts where there aren't, it, well, there isn't a Games Workshop reasonably close by. Yeah. Then what are the, all of those people who have just got into the hobby going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And <laughs> this was the first point that I, I sort of sat and thought. This is definitely a mark against the whole Games Workshop just doesn't care. Because we know, having been involved around Games Workshop's sphere in the past, we've never been directly employed by Games Workshop, but we know a lot of the behind goings on for various reasons. We know their whole mindset of once you're in, you're in. Mm. You know, and once you've bought that product and once you know you like that product, they've got you. The hook is on. And if you lost your ability to walk to your friendly local game store yep. to buy that product, does that mean that you would stop buying that product altogether? A cursory chat last night at the game club revealed that the answer to that was a unanimous no. They would switch to go into our Warhammer store. Yep. And if that disappeared, they would still shop on line yep. with Games Workshop. The thing is, I said this to you at the club, and I know there's a this, what I'm about to say, there was a mixed bag of it on, on the, um, the morality and the ethics of it all. Mm-hmm. But five years ago, I might have agreed with that stand. It's like, look, people will get their fix. Just They'll just go back to the source, basically. Yeah. You know, it was nice. It was nice having that slightly cheaper price, but, you know, ultimately... Yeah. I'll just get my fix from the source. And to quote the meme, in this day and age, I don't think that will happen at all. To quote the meme, I think 3D printers will go brrrr. I think, to be honest, I think the uh, the answer to it would be split. I, I think a lot of people would stick with Games Workshop. You know, they don't want to take on the next hobby of having to buy a 3D printer, learn how to use it, do all the maintenance of it. You know, it's that, not just that, that, that will be there. different. I mean, give it five years, I think that will be different there because are, they are more plug and play. As, but... you, as you well know, there are plenty plenty of places you don't have to have a 3d printer for the 3d printer to go brr there are plenty of people online who are happily selling their miniatures that they print yeah and that they upload files for and it's especially if games workshop is going to continue with its frankly questionable business models Mm -hmm. it's only going to push more people into the well i don't care if you lose money yeah, I've got a rule set. Yeah. All I need is the miniatures. Oh, and look. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that that's bullet point one, James. We're not even off bullet point one, you know. And it, it's, I'm, I'm going to continue with bullet point one. 
actually, because as I said, Games Workshop have seldom sold to independent stockists in order to ensure their survival over the previous years. They've never been happy about someone else selling their products because they would far rather you, James, go to them and give you all of the money at the full RRP, knowing full well that it's, let's say, a box of Space Marines. It's To my knowledge, a box of Space Marines is now bordering the £30 mark. I mean, it depends which box of Space Marines you happen to be talking about, Jason. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just talking about box standard space marines yeah i mean you know because they're the ones we know cost them pittance yeah i don't even know i've been out of it for so long i don't even know how many you get in the box anymore i know in the heresy update for example that they doubled the amount of marines that were in the box Mm. and they still he's quote unquote are the same price Mm. so yeah well i mean the the other thing is because this is the other thing that is is worth mentioning we're only months apart from when they actually did an RRP increase in February to 3,000 products. Yep. And it was well and above inflation. So that that's another thing to, to take into, into account here is just this year, Games Workshop have already raised the prices of 3,000 products yep. uh, over and above inflation rates. And now they're doing this second increase to the, to the independent stockists. Now, one would argue that that is a very, very calculated move because mm. they know full well after the backlash of the initial raise that if they were to do it again in the same year... I think there would be severe backlash. Yep. And how have they got around it? Well, we now know. Pass the buck on to the independent retailers so they take all the flag, or exactly. so they thought. Yeah, exactly. So be interesting to see, because I think a, a lot more will come out of this over the next few weeks, because obviously it's a couple of weeks until that that particular date hits. But Right that, before Christmas be, as well. Yeah. Busiest time of the year when ideally independent stockists need to be raking in as much as they possibly can. I mean, the only thing, obviously, like you said earlier it wasn't meant to be public knowledge the only thing i can think of is that now that email has been shared by an anonymous person it might see a boost for the independence so because everyone who was thinking of buying something from them for, for say christmas is now going well now i know when the price is going up yeah yeah exactly so i mean that that may well act as a, as a mini boost but uh, I guess time will tell on that one. But I think what we're what we're getting at here, Jason, though, is uh, to you to, to coin a phrase, it's a dick move. Yes, it, it really is. Uh, and you know, I'm not going to go crazy with with how I feel about it, but I'm completely in agreement with you. It's a very very dick move. It is pissing in the face of the stores that have supported them in the past. And, well, and, and I'll even argue it. They've even supported Games Workshop during the lockdown periods because Games Workshop sold out of their stuff quite quickly. Uh, or, or so did the independent stockists. So they then put in massive orders yep. with Games Workshop. You know, And Games Workshop went through a huge period of growth during the lockdown periods and yep. yet this is the way they're repaying people now the, the cost of their materials has gone up i am going to reiterate that they have gone up you know their bottom line is cost them more to make mm. so they need to either inflate the price of their products or weather the storm until the cost of those but it all, materials comes know, back it down. all comes back to what you said earlier with the w- way that email was worded it's like there's no justification that there is no look guys you know times are tough materials have got we, we have to do this sort of thing and like you said there's none of this support it's like if you've got any queries questions concerns yeah you yeah. know reach out to us sort of thing you know yeah 
So the the real question now, James, is there are hundreds of miniature producing companies around the world. Yep. They all use very similar materials. All of their material costs are going up. They've all come out and said it. But they've also all come out and said, our prices ain't going to change. Mm. Why are Games Workshop the arguably biggest single hobby manufacturer in the world doing this? They don't need to do it. No. Other than the fact that they are ultimately shafting the entire hobby sector, you know, and th- it's not something, you know, that they, they're a company that doesn't go without any kind of backlash all the time. You know, they're constantly going after websites for using their iconography or likenesses. I would say that likenesses because it's not always a direct ripoff. It's a inspired by a product. You know, I know they've been after terrain companies recently and this is MDF terrain for God's sake, it looks nothing like yeah. Games Workshop terrain. Yet they're going after them. They've gone after 3D printing websites and host websites. You know, understandable. If it is a direct ripoff of their products, they have every right to do that. But when it's an inspired by product, they like to poke the bear, I think. Which, you know. which to be honest, mate, you know, we're, we're, we're delving down a rabbit hole. And I've always found that hilarious, if I'm completely honest, considering half, well, no, that's, that's being Generous. extremely. <laughs> generous a lot of their products are heavily inspired by other things yeah there's been countless times where i've looked at a games workshop product and gone well that's a blatant ripoff of of this and it seems like they don't mind i I mean i could literally sit here and you know the entire premise of the space marines and their favored battle tactic is from starship troopers the sentinel is blatantly an atst from star wars Mm -hmm. the tyranids are alien yeah yeah Exactly. That's yeah. three. I mean, that, you know... They, and they, considering two of those are owned by the House of Mouse, it's like, as much as I don't want them to kill my favourite hobby, it would be deathly ironic if they <laughs> suddenly turned around and went, hey. Yeah. <laughs> Games Workshop really love to toe the line when it comes to copyright. Providing is not them infringing on it in, you know, artistic ways. Mm. But yeah, I mean, James, this news was not something I wanted to talk about. And I, I, I didn't even bring it up with you for a full day after it came out and I'd read it because I was just sort of like, do you know what? No, I'm not bothered. But it it bothered me. It really did bother me because I started to back up Games Workshop again. Mm. I wasn't buying their products or anything like that. But when having conversations with people, I was talking to them favorably about Games Workshop because I thought they changed. I genuinely thought they started listening to the audience. And then this comes out. Yep. Damn you, Games Workshop. Damn you. I'm sorry. Yeah, like you said, you know, I'm heavily into the heresy side of things. But yeah, some of their business practices just... They stink, to be brutally honest. There's there's little words, you know. I, we've we've talked for nearly thirty minutes now. There's little words that I can really say. I, I've tried my hardest to come up with some reason to to why they've done this, some justifiable reason as to why they've done this. But with products with such high percentage markup, yeah, there, there is no justification for it. There isn't. And like you said, you know, there, there isn't even any justification in the email they've sent out to the retailers. No, no. They've not even tried to justify it. Maybe maybe we're wrong. Maybe there was another part to this email that we didn't see. Maybe there was an attachment that did offer all of those things. But the the fact is, is what we've seen is a disc- seemingly a disgruntled retailer. Well, even if there was, it would be in the cover. 
which is, you know, in which case the bit that we've seen is the covering letter and there would be C attachment for more details. Yeah, exactly. For more information, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and uh, one thing we haven't really covered as well in this is because this is a particular target at the independents. Independents don't just sell games workshop products. No. So if you're squeezing the independents, which is putting more pressure on them and might cause them to close, you're actually overstepping into other people's hobby spaces and yeah. that is put at risk. And that's why I really think this is a dick move. Yeah, exactly. And as I said, doesn't really affect me personally. I don't buy games workshop products. However, going after an independent stockist means you're attacking role play games you're attacking board games you're attacking card games yep and if, everyone if it's like our local store you're attacking comic books for god's sake and you have a comic book mm. you know you you're attacking everything about the geek and nerd hobby yeah because you're putting stores. the stores at risk yeah ultimately at, th- at this point I-, I sort of want to say to independent stockists yeah ditch them ditch them like the plague but then that's giving games workshop exactly what they want so it's uh, what is the answer here i genuinely don't know what the answer is because i can say yeah everyone refused to buy games workshop products okay well that still affects your independent stockist Tell them to get rid of Games Workshop products. Well, that's giving Games Workshop exactly what they want. What what do you do? Mm. You know, you've got a couple of people out there that maybe like us, they're a bit vocal about these things. I don't know where this goes from here. I'm very interested to see, but doing the little bit of research that I I managed to do today before we went live as well, this seems to be limited to the UK, this particular increase. However, James, the Americans haven't escaped the wrath of Games Workshop. I don't think it's quite as bad but for example in the states the minimum order to order online has been raised i believe um I, i'm not sure the exact specifics but i believe it's something like from 35 dollars, you now have to spend 60 and then their postage fees have also gone up so the question is if Game Workshop got exactly what they wanted in the UK, yep. would that be something that you reckon would follow here in order to increase their bottom I, line? See, it's always a bit more difficult when you talk about other territories because, for instance, obviously, postage. I can imagine that postage is a bit problematic in the US. It yep. is a yep. vast country. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember off the top of my hand. Do they have their own factory over there? From what I remember, they have a single factory over there, yeah. Uh, but but I'm not 100% on that. That that could be just me remembering poorly. Yeah, um, I don't... Because there are certain places in the world where, yes, it, it ships from Nottingham like like it does in the UK. I, I believe if, the US if, has its own manufacturing. Yeah, if, if memory serves correctly, the US has its own, which deals with USA and Canada, but then Norwich... Uh, sorry. Nottingham. Nottingham deals with the rest of the world, mm. which is why places like... I mean, God forbid, the, the poor people in Australia... Mm. You know, where it's nearly I, I, triple the cost of what it is. I, here. I have no, no idea how anyone in Australia affords that hobby. No, not at all. You know, and you, I've, they've always had my sympathy. Yeah, it is. For that. <laughs> I, I mean, there's a couple. I remember watching a couple of uh, uh, the Australian YouTubers talking about it and just being like, th- "I mean, I thought it was expensive, an expensive hobby here. That's eye watering. Yeah. How? Yeah. Um, I, I did watch a couple of videos uh, recently, actually, about uh, going back to the Space Marines and the cost of Space Marines. I don't know how this translates to the UK, but I was seeing them talk about a box of Space Marines in the states is currently sixty dollars. 
Yep. So that I mean, is that a uh, is that a direct correlation to the UK? Okay, so we just took a little bit of a break, didn't we, James? Before mm-hmm. we answered that question, and I booted up Games Workshop uh, US on my mm-hmm. phone. Uh, I've got the Tactical Squad mm-hmm. sat in front of me, and you booted up the UK uh, version. Yep. with a Tactical Squad. So, how much was the Tactical Squad in the UK? Thirty-two pounds and fifty pence. Thirty-two pounds fifty pence, and that's for a ten-man. Yeah, tactical a squad? ten-man tactical squad the uh, the old school warhammer 40,000 tactical squad so for me the u.s equivalent is exactly 55 dollars yep now the current conversion rate james yep how much is 55 dollars in uk pound sterling okay rounded up it's effectively 46 pounds 46 pounds so for the same squad they're paying 46 pounds to our 32 pound 50 yep now if we're wrong in saying that they've got a production facility in the united states yep that might be semi-acceptable, I guess, for import charges, delivery from, from the UK to the United States. Yeah. Maybe. That's not what this episode is about, but if, if that is the case... Yeah, I mean, it is a markup. I will also turn around and say you also have to take into account different taxation policies in the US and yeah, let's th- th- put it under the broad um- umbrella of government stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the other thing. I only looked at the cost on the website. Yeah. From what I remember of going to the States many, many years ago, you never see the cost of the tax on on that until you get to the checkout. I don't know how that works online. Hmm. Um, because that's usually because the taxes vary from state to state. So yeah. the you, you, I've never quite understood why the tax isn't built into the price ticket in the shop. Mm. But I do understand. I, I, I guess it's because the adverts can't be because otherwise yeah. to run a national ad campaign in the US, you would have to have a different advert for each of the states of because each state has a different level of sales tax. Yeah. Some don't have any sales tax. Yeah. It's just part and parcel of the way the US operates. Whereas our, our taxes are built into the price ticket because we're one territory. So yeah. the tax is the same wherever you go. Now, I do have, I mean, this is a question for any of the American listeners out there because I, I genuinely am totally oblivious to, to whether this is the case. I'm assuming, obviously, you do have independent stockists there in the States. Do they stock Games Workshop? Because, again, whenever I've been to the States, I've never actually been to an independent stockist or anything like that. I've not even been to a Games Workshop in the States. But I would be interested to know whether you do indeed have independent stockists. And and if that is the case, how long until what we are currently facing then happens in the States? Or has it already happened in the States under the radar? Yep. You know, that's that's the thing. I I would say, again, I've never been to one. They've got to have independent stockists. If we have the problem, of well there's only so many games workshops and you've got to fill all the gaps in between because yeah. people will only travel so far there's got to be independent retailers that stock it you would the amount so. of the amount of players in america and how big it is yeah they've got to have independent re- retailers yeah you, you would think so I, I think they're even more sparsely spread in the u.s i mean mm. they're, they're basically in a few of the major cities and then yeah yeah be interesting uh, I, i'd like to know that so american listeners there's, there's a lot of you let us know but uh james you got any other closing comments you want to make about this because I, i'm i'm all out of words i'm all out of i'm yeah, all I, out of love i, I think i've um said everything that you know without this devolving into a real rant yeah yeah I, i'd like to say i've said everything i haven't 
I, I have bit my tongue quite a bit because this would have been a very, very different episode if I'd said exactly what I was thinking. But yeah, I long for a day to go back to Games Workshop where I would deal, deem them as in their heyday where they were a hobby company. They cared about the hobby. They cared about the hobbyist. Yep. They still made money and they made good money, but it was all about the hobby. I was yep. like, oh yeah, you know. Here's a character. Go kitbash it. You know, even if they'd released a model for that character, is like, here's here's an actual model. This is exactly what it looks like. But if you want to kitbash it, oh yeah, we'd love to see that. Yep. I mean, we've said this multiple times. I still have my old battered uh, third edition 40k rule book where the middle section was how to scratch build your own terrain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't see that I, now. I I have exactly the same. I've got I've got a, a terrain book from Warhammer that tells you how to make what we now know as poor hammer. Yep. You know, cheap terrain out of what whatever you've got lying around the house. It was all about the hobby. Yep. And it's a sad day that that's not the case anymore. Yeah, but it's. I think it can be summed up by the fact that, you know, it was a company that was founded by hobbyists and then yep. the business people took over. Yeah, very, very sad day. Got to squeeze every penny out of it and, well, as long as we get rich, then who cares? Yeah. The question now is, this is obviously as a... As a, a modification to the business plan after their huge success that they had throughout the lockdowns yep. in order to try and keep that profit what happens next once all this is done and it either works or fails what do they do next to maintain that yep. they've got to maintain it to keep the shareholders happy you know it, there's only so far that you can push one the consumers and two the retailers yep. Some something has to give at some point and, and that, that's where I'm going to leave it I'm, I am going to leave it there I'm going to stop bashing now we'll hand over to the man in the news shed we'll come back and talk about what we're going to be talking about next week that we should have been talking about this week so we will see you in a minute I know it's December but the decorations are not going up yet well, I'm not fussed that the rest of the street is getting it all decked out. I'm going to tell you exactly what my mum used to say to me. Well, she used to say, if you saw everyone jumping off a cliff, would you go and jump too? What? Hang on. I can actually see your point there. They must have a bloody good reason for jumping off a cliff. I'll have to go and rethink a lot of things now. You can be quite philosophical at times, can't you? Right, okay. We can put up a couple of strings of lights, but that's it. Don't want the shed looking like a Las Vegas strip club again. Button, please. Tap. News on the grapevine is that terraforming Mars, for all intents and purposes, may have been optioned for an on-screen adaptation. Nascent production company Cobalt Knight, which was founded by a couple of video game executives, Christopher Kaminsky and Christopher Knox, has optioned the screen rights to the game, which to date has sold over 1.5 million copies. The company is leaning towards a TV series, but is also open for a feature take on the strategy game which sees players compete to use resources and innovative technology to make the Red Planet habitable. It hopes that the terraforming Mars narrative can highlight the game's themes, including existential tropes like class struggle, colonialism and ecological collapse. So what do you think of them adapting terraforming Mars to the screen? Surely it'll never beat the movie classic that is Battleship, or indeed watching Matt Damon farming his own feces in The Martian. On the German programme, Wet and Das, 
roughly translated to You Bet That, and strongly resembling the old classic game show You Bet, which aired between 1989 and 1998 here in the UK, a lifelong gamer, Holger Seinbenich, is challenged to defend his claim that he can identify Spiel de Jar winners solely by listening to the components being poured out, with a challenge being to identify four out of five games to win the bet. With the aid of Robbie Williams, no less. Yes, you heard that right, Robbie Williams. Picking games out of the 40-plus games on display in the studio, each game was poured out onto an acrylic tray before blindfolded Holger contemplated what he had heard and gave his answer. Astonishingly enough, he completed the challenge by identifying the first four games correctly, not even needing the fifth, which were 2011's Game of the Year, Quirkle, 1981 game, Focus, 1993 game, Bluff, Bluff proved a little bit more difficult and needed a second copy of the game to be emptied out before guessing correctly, but then went on to complete the challenge with the 2016 game Codenames. The video is available to watch online, which I'll try and remember to put a link to up on the socials. Master designer Paolo Mori and publisher Cosmos have finally announced an English version of Rustling Leaves. The title, originally released in Germany back in 2020 as a roll and write game, played out over four seasons. The sheet for Rustling Leaves is a 10x10 square grid of various animals and plants. Each turn, one player rolls the custom dice, which range in value from 1 to 4. Then everyone marks off an area of their sheet whose length and width are equal to the die rolls, and scores all of one object type within that defined space. The bottom of each sheet defines how the different symbols score. Players continue until they voluntarily stop having earned as many points as they can. Playing on may induce a bust. This occurs when a player is unable to outline an unused area on the sheet according to the dice and then incurs penalties. Rustling Leaves is available for purchase now. Telecraft is a new title jointly published by small game aficionados Oink Games and Geogames slash Engaging Toys, using their Geofix Minis line of snap-together geometric frames. In Telecraft, one player studies a picture of a shape that needs to be assembled from a set of snap-together squares, triangles, pentagrams and hexagons. They then have only one minute to verbally explain what to do, then everyone else has to assemble the structure on the card. Once one person finishes, they cover their creation with a cloth, so no peeking at other players' constructions. Players not only gain points for assembling well, but indeed for explaining well too. Atomic Mass Games dropped another preview of what's coming in 2023 for Marvel Crisis Protocol line. This time around, another Spidey foe enters the fray with a massive rhino storming out onto the streets to cause havoc for Spider-Man and his companions. This miniature represents a classic rhino that a lot of folks will be familiar with from the 90s cartoon, ticking all of those nostalgia boxes. With his durable second skin grafted to his body, this fellow is tough and strong and isn't going anywhere without a properly brutal right hook. The new Rhino set builds on the already impressive set of spider foes, which sits around 8 or 9 miniatures at this time. There are a few notable absences, but I would imagine if we're getting Rhino then we might see more familiar villains popping up in 2023, so watch this space. 
The next campaign anthology for mega popular tabletop RPG Dungeons and Dragons might have a release date and price point courtesy of a new US Amazon holding page. Keys from the Golden Vault, originally announced during this year's Wizards of the Coast Presents showcase, was originally scheduled for Q1 of 2023. The new Amazon listing refines that date to the 21st of February and appends a $49.95 price tag to the hardcover edition equating to a roughly £40 price tag here in the UK. Although an Amazon product listing page should in no way carry the same evidentiary weight as, say, an official blog post or pushing official artwork on their social media, these pages are often placeholders created by Amazon or other companies' anticipation of future releases. We've seen Wizards of the Coast delay books in the past, so take this with a requisite grain of salt. But sticking with the Wizards of the Coast and D&D, they have committed to no longer using the word race in any of its future material. This begins with the most recent playtest document for one D&D, the codename for the popular tabletop RPG's future version. A blog post on the D&D Beyond website claims that the change will help foster an inviting space for everyone, as publishers Wizards of the Coast prepares for a new trio of cool rule books slated to be released in 2021. While the announcement comes bundled with new playtest material regarding the cleric class, the blog post makes it clear the definitional shift is not up for debate. Dungeons and Dragons states that it does not intend to return to using race in any of its published material. We understand race is a problematic term that has prejudiced links between real world people and the fantasy peoples of D&D worlds, the post reads. The usage of the term across D&D and other popular items. IP has evolved over time. Now it's time for the next evolution. And our main news story, Gloomhaven has more than just one line of new miniatures planned for its backer kit campaign in 2023. The massive board game, both in terms of physical scale and popularity, announced a tabletop RPG set in the world of Gloomhaven that will crowdfund next April. Publisher Cellar Fair dropped the announcement on Friday during PAX Unplugged 2022, saying Gloomhaven RPG will give players the tools and world-building elements needed to tell their own stories within the board game's original fantasy setting. The currently planned single source book will put a Gloom Master in the facilitator hot seat as they lead a party of adventurers through adventures that have the same sense of danger, mystery and combat puzzles exemplified in previous dungeon crawling titles. Combat will continue using Gloomhaven's signature card-based system, but creator Isaac Childress mentioned that the addition of a third option that lets you perform great feats out of combat, but also opens up a new dimension in combat, letting you swing from chandeliers, kick through walls, or even convince the bad guys to stop fighting. Players will also be able to create a character using any of the classes and the ancestries introduced through Gloomhaven and the upcoming sequel Frosthaven. didn't mention any restrictions, roll an inox mine thief, or a vermling brute if the mood strikes you. The RPG will reportedly be cross-compatible with all the previous board games, and Cephalofair COO 
Price Johnson said that the team wants those boxes to function as a sort of gloom master toolkit to be able to craft your own adventures. The team also hopes to craft it as a solid entry point for those curious about a series that has dominated tabletop conversations since its initial release back in 2019. Author and game designer BJ Hensley will serve as creative director for the project. Before joining Cephalo Fair earlier this year as a director of art and graphic design, Hensley was the founder of Playground Adventures and vice president of Lone Wolf Development, which creates and maintains digital tools for tabletop RPG campaign management. The Gloomhaven RPG hit the PAX Unplugged 2022 stage immediately following the announcement for a live play demo that included Tanya DePass, Jerry Holkins, Danny Quark, Monica Paprocki, Alexander TJ Theo Harris and Childress. AEG hits up Kickstarter fund its latest game from designers Mads Flo, Kerr Torndal and Olga Kim as they would like to bring you Shake That City. So welcome city planners, design the best city block using patterns from the new and exciting Cube Shaker. You'll place a mix of tiles to help grow the thriving city, with the best design winning the game. Shake That City is a family, puzzly, tile laying game for one to four players that plays in under an hour. The game is played over a series of rounds, the active player shakes the new and exciting cube shaker and presses its slider to reveal a 3x3 pattern of cubes. Based on the pattern revealed they need to place the corresponding building tiles of a single colour of their choice on the player board. The building tiles correspond to roads, factories, shops, parks and of course homes. The other players then pick any building colour other than the one the active player picked. They then place the matching coloured tiles in the matching pattern on their board. Players earn points for tile placement combinations and for the completed bonus points tiles around the edge of their board. Placement follows a few simple rules. Roads want to be connected to an edge of the board. Factories need to be next to other factories and indeed roads. Homes want to be placed in clusters that are as small as possible, the smallest being a single tile, but as long as they're not next to a factory. Parks wants to be next to homes and factories. Shops score increasingly more the closer they are placed to the city centre, but if they're not placed on an edge, they will need to be adjacent to a road connected to the board's edge in order to score, because without road access, you'll have no products to sell. At Gabe's End, players earn points for tile placement combinations and for the completed bonus point tiles around the edge of the board. And apart from the £1 pledge to access the pledge manager, once the project is over, the only other pledge level gets you the retail version of the game and the Wild Knight micro expansion, which will be available separately once the game hits retails. And with the obvious unlock stretch goals and social goals, the game is going to set you back £24 or $29. Project, as I said, is over on Kickstarter right now and it ends on Friday, December the 16th. O'Brien, thought of another things parents used to say that don't make sense now. Yeah, like, you fall off that wall and break your legs, don't come running to me. Well, that's going to be a bit hard. Oh, and what about close your mouth and eat your dinner? How am I supposed to do that? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's plenty more. Right, say goodbye to everyone and we'll get those lights up. And it's a goodbye from me. Keep safe, meeples. Keep those dice rolling, card shuffling, and we'll be right here for you next week.
Thank you very much for that, Paul. And thank you guys for joining us for a... This is probably our first full-blown rant episode, James. Yay. Let's, let's hope we don't make a, a regular thing of this. I don't want to do this regularly. No. I like ranting, but I try to keep this as happy as possible. But this, this got my back up. Yeah. Bad. Anyway, happy times, James. Happy times. It's December. It's nearly Christmas. It's nearly time for our break. Yay. Nearly, <laughs> nearly time for a... A couple of weeks holiday for us. Say holiday, we're not going anywhere. We'll probably still play games. We'll probably still meet up on a Tuesday and probably sit here and have a conversation about games, but just without these these electronic recording thingamajiggies. Well, if we were smart, we'd switch them on anyway because, you know, you get a couple of episodes in the back. <laughs> you know as well as I do, we're not that smart. <laughs> it's true. I mean, hell, it took, it took us years for me and Ian to do it. And we were doing it with everyone going, you should do this. You should do this. Oh, yeah, we probably should, but we're not going <laughs> to. <sighs> so many years of amazing conversations gone to waste. So next week, we are going to be talking about gifts for gamers that have gifts of people like me, James, because I deserve gifts. But I already have all the games. I have all the up-to-date games. The only two games that I really wanted was Heat and Starship Captains. And as of yesterday, I now have those games. Yep. So what do people buy people like me for birthdays, for Christmas, for, well, just being nice? Yeah, I want to buy you a gift. That's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, So you need to go away. Well, at this point, I would like to uh, extend my sincere thanks to Games Workshop for dropping this piece of news for us to rant at because I'd completely forgotten about that and haven't done the research. (laughs) Well, there you go. Games Workshop did something right for once. Yeah, well, they saved my bacon. (laughs) For a week. For a week, James. But yes, that's we are we're going to be talking about that. So your task is to obviously go away. Think of I want you to think of ten things. Is this just your snide way of trying to get me to get you a Christmas gift? (sighs) I've been trying for 10 years. It's never worked. I don't expect it to work. But at least this time I'll have digital evidence. <laughs> but yeah, 10 things are that I that you think gamers that have everything might want. I will also do the same. And before we go live, we will sit down, compare our lists, and we will come up with 10 things that we both agree that people should buy. Yep. And then everything else that we don't have in that list will be honorable mentions. Cool. Let's call it for the day. I've got to get around to the Ant-Mans to do another podcast, which I'm now really worried about because my voice is going. <laughs> but we shall see. Till next week, I have been Jason. And I've been James. And you've been listening to the Me Full Minded podcast. Join us next Next week for more tabletop gaming goodness. Ta-ta and goodbye. Yeah.